Blog Talk Radio. glad you're joining us again today. Today we are going to have just uh, just loads of fun because we have invited back Dr. Michael Cotton, who is a guest of ours this past March on A Better World Radio, and he's since been a guest on A Better World Television as well. It's been such a pleasure to have him because he is bringing forward into the world a certain technique that is actually at this point sweeping the country because of the effect it's having on the consciousness of so many people. Literally, Michael uh, was a chiropractor for many years before he invented and, and coalesced this new system of essentially awakening the higher brain, awakening the prefrontal lobes, the prefrontal cortex, that part of the, the directorship of the nervous system that uh, calls the shots and very interestingly has been associated with some of the higher states of consciousness that have been realized by Tibetan monks, by Zen practitioners, by those who have been involved in long-term meditation and sometimes yogic practice. And rather quickly, it appears that through touching certain spots along the spine and elsewhere on the body, with a very gentle kind of pressure, Michael has found that similar types of consciousness is showing up mapped on a EEG testing. So you can understand why we wanted to have Michael Cotton back on A Better World, since this is a subject that we so deeply care about here in how do we transform our world, a question we're always asking. How do we do this? What are the nuts and bolts? What are the actual mechanisms? And uh, Michael Cotton has really come across something and has tested it himself over the course of years. So we'll be learning more about that today. I want to just... Uh, invite you all to visit us at our website, abetterworld.tv, where all of this information can be found, as well as this week with Dr. Cotton in town, we will be uh, gathering, actually next week, he'll be here for a bit of time, at the Tournesol Wellness Center, where he'll be giving a free demo of this technique, and you can get more information of that at abetterworld.tv. Sign up ahead of time and save yourself 
a load of money, and uh, that way we'll know how many people are going to be coming and make sure we have enough seats for everyone. So take advantage of this opportunity of Dr. Michael Cotton being in New York City, which is essentially a once-a-year uh, proposition. And uh, you can get that information on our website at abetterworld.tv, and it will be a demo that will be for free if you sign up ahead of time. So, Dr. Michael Cotton, welcome to A Better World. Thank you, Mitchell. Great to be here again. Doesn't that sound good? Welcome to A Better World. That you know, sounds music to my ears. Isn't it? It's <laughs> like what we want, Michael. It's what we want. Yes. I know deep in your heart that is something of of amazing importance, and that is really what generates and motivates you to be doing what you're doing. Right? You travel the country all the time doing demonstrations and educating people about what you're doing, and then you're training facilitators. And, you know, I'm glad to say that over the course of these past six months since we've known each other, I have been engaged and have become a student of yours I'm in this. so happy you can say that too, Mitchell. Having uh, someone like you in our movement is, is very important to the growth and direction of this, and I'm, I'm grateful you, you saw the potential in this. That's correct. Yeah. I really did, Michael, and thank you. You helped to uh, show me what this contains in potentia, and uh, I did see it right away. It's true. Yeah. And uh, I'm very pleased because I see that there's a lot here and a lot of contribution that this has already made and is actually just gearing up to make. On the ground floor. To our yeah. planet. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So if you would, for our audience who have not heard the first interview we did could you just outline what Higher Brain Living is and how you came about it? And, yeah. Uh, give a, people an a idea. A brief overview? Please. Sure. Well, the first thing is uh, to, for us to acknowledge that uh, a large part of the highest part of our brain is untapped and dor basically dormant potential that we have this, what technically is called the prefrontal cortex. It's actually more extensive uh, and more structures than just the prefrontal cortex. But it, uh, the prefrontal cortex is the core component of what we call this higher brain or higher brain physiology. And that part of the brain is dormant and untapped. And that's the part of the brain where we have high in human experience. It's the part of the brain, as Mitchell alluded to, that uh, leads is in association with the classical state of enlightenment. It's the part of the brain where we have purpose in life. It's the part of the brain where we create meaningful lives. It's the part of the brain that has joy. It's even the part of the brain that allows us to project a compelling future and then take the steps that we need to actually bring that future to fruition and live it. And so that part of the brain opens up a whole new way for us to live and experience the life process. And the challenge is, is that the lower part of the brain, the primitive old survival part of the brain, is still dominant in us humans. It, was, it evolved at a time when the environment was predator-rich, and its job is to keep us safe. And it wants to create sameness. It wants to perpetuate the same life over and over and over again, even if we're miserable or uncomfortable or just not happy with our life, as long as we woke up alive and didn't get eaten by a tiger, then the lower brain wants to do it again and again and again. 
And all of this happens below the conscious threshold where we don't really even have awareness to why these patterns are playing out, but somehow we find ourselves in these same situations. So the, the, the first thing that we need to acknowledge is that we have a lower primitive part of our brain that's survival-based and trying to protect us from the world, and it's highly active. And we have an untapped higher brain led by the prefrontal cortex that is the most recent evolutionary emergence and that part of the brain is largely dormant and it's the part of the brain that creates the life that we all want it's the physiology for the life and the new world that we're looking for and so what higher brain living has done is it it's, it's created a system that helps energize that higher brain and allow us to apply that higher brain energy and that empowered higher brain state to all areas of our life to be able to shift center of gravity from the lower stress brain to the higher brain and be able to create our compelling future and and, and we do that through a, a higher brain living program it's a 22-step program that a, you, that a, a client will see a trained facilitator for 45-minute long sessions. A trained and certified facilitator will cue pathways in the body that Mitchell also mentioned, uh, that if we thought in terms of acupuncture meridians or nardi points in yoga or a variety of different wisdom traditions and healing systems that ha have acknowledged certain pathways in the body, that are associated with an energy source in the body. And we've cracked a code around these pathways, a way to tap this code into the body through very gentle touch that creates a release of energy that moves to the higher brain, that essentially lights up the prefrontal cortex. And we can see this when we measure it on EEG. And as that happens, over a series of these 22 steps, your own brain learns to start turning itself on. It starts creating a feedback response that self-energizes. And over time, the center of gravity shifts to that higher brain in that empowered state. And then we have a whole system, a guidebook and a very step-by-step uh, -step way to take that higher brain energy, that empowered state, and to direct it one step at a time to the creation of, of the life that we're really looking for. So there's the overview, Mitchell. That's beautiful, Michael. That's beautiful. And what kind of results have you seen since you've been practicing? Oh, and clients that go through the yeah, program? Yeah. Oh, my. I mean, you've had thousands of people. I mean, I hear you've done, well, I guess among the collective of your top facilitators. And probably myself. But in, in yourself, addition, yeah. right, so like 75,000 well, well, over the course of how long? Not, not all higher brain living sessions. We had oh, put okay. that quote up at 75,000. Uh, healing and personal growth sessions that all led to the development of this, including what has been oh. thousands of higher brain living sessions. I see. Not only by myself, but now we've had, uh, you know, three years of trained and certified facilitators uh, administering the work and delivering the, the, the whole program. And uh, the, the testimonials that I hear from the clients going through it, I mean, that's what really – uh, that's what keeps me going, right? That feeds that's the, your soul. Yeah, yeah, and and it is just it's astonishing to see, because uh, the key to I believe all personal growth and development lies on that untapped part of the brain. So when you get energy in that, you open up the potential 
for a person's life to change in every dimension. And we help them map out what they want to change through this system, through this guidebook, and bring that. And so people, in they get out of abusive relationships, or they deepen relationships that they're in. They start new careers. They get the confidence to get promotions at work. Their healing issues go away. People with depression, with anxiety disorders, with fibromyalgia, with neurological stuff we we've seen tons of that disappear as a by we don't even look at this as a healing modality we look at it as a ev- personal evolutionary system but healing is a byproduct of that evolution it, it's like that stuff falls off when that happens and so we we see all, basically people creating the life that they want through the program and and if i if i could just say the one thing that is I think what this is really all about and that I think is consistently shows up through this 22-step program is that what people get from this is they discover who they really are, and I mean that on the deepest level, not the personal drama that they've surrounded themselves with. They discover who they really are. They discover what their gifts are, and they find their path and their direction and their purpose in life and people start living and leading a meaningful deeply connected life and i think that is the 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 really core of what people get from this process wow michael that's well worth the price of admission (laughs) yes we believe so and so do all thousands of satisfied clients really true it's really true i uh, to add to that a bit, uh, one of your training facilitators that I'm particularly friendly with, uh, Wanda McCollum, told me uh, in particular about her own personal story mm-hmm. and uh, some real kind of uh, female issues that she was suffering from mm-hmm. that typically in our society would uh, demand surgery. Yep. And uh, she did not want to do that, and uh, she was looking to other ways, and uh, those weren't working, actually, uh, other alternatives. And when she came across Higher Brain Living, she was looking for her own personal development, yet, just as you said, she experienced the cessation of the pain, of the discomfort, actually of the illness. Mm -hmm. Cleared up as though, you could say, these uh, things were surgically removed. Right. They hadn't been. Right. Yeah, that's quite common. As one example of many, many that I have heard from her and from others of your training facilitators who have been so deeply engaged Mm -hmm. uh, with you for some years. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I really have been musing on that phenomenon, and I kind of represented it to myself this way, and I love to hear what you have to say. I'm going to use uh, the work of George Ivanovich Gurdjieff as an example of uh, to illustrate this. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Sure. According to Gurdjieff, when in – actually, this was written out primarily in the work of uh, P. D. Uspensky, who wrote In Search of the Miraculous. And in who, it – was a student of, correct? Was a student yes. of yes. Gurdjieff, exactly. Yep. His yep. sort of prime student, in mm-hmm. fact. You're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was quoting Rajiv and saying that when people become conscious 
i.e. they're engaging their higher brain, and they're becoming, they're forming a unified field of the mind-brain center, the intellectual center with the emotional heart center and the physical body, they form a unified field. They're in a higher level of consciousness. When they breathe, they're actually extracting more oxygen and other vital nutrients from the air than they would if they were unconscious. When they eat food, they're, they are also pulling out of the food a level of energy and vibration uh, from the food that other people actually have access to but don't have access unless they're wholly conscious. Same thing in love and relationships and intimacy and you name it. They just become more robust in their biological function. Yes. And that's what I hear goes on. That's what I'm... That's my explanation of the phenomenon you're describing. I I completely agree with that, Mitchell, that I I think that we engage the life process in a completely different way. And one of those is just on that biological, physiological level, that energetic relationship, that we are able to extrapolate more out of the environment, more that can feed us, more that can feed our soul, and, and, and... Conversely, I think that we also become more acutely aware and sensitive to those things that do not work for us. And and that that we can, as we evolve, as the nervous system increases its flexibility, as we get energy into the higher brain, some of the same things that used to also do harm to us no longer do because we process them on a higher level. But the other thing that happens is that those things that do, we become immediately aware. I have so many. I have a, f- a facilitator who's actually moved up uh, with our organization and helped set up national presentations, and it was the funniest thing. But he actually had, used to smoke and drink, and he smoked casually in bars, and he uh, was a, a you know a, a casual drinker, but he did quite a bit of it, you know, and. And he 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 was frequently casual. Yeah, frequently casual. So he he went through the higher brain limit, and he just he it just repulsed him. He didn't even try to do it. He just he he came in. He told me one day. He said, "Well, I wasn't planning to quit drinking. I had no desire to quit drinking, but I." Quit drinking. <laughs> and I started jogging. <laughs> and I'm not even a jogger. <laughs> right, yeah. right. But that that happens all yeah. the time. That's a yep. beautiful story, Michael. Yep. Sure. Uh, and uh, I think I even know who you might be talking yeah, about. Yeah, you probably do. <laughs> but, uh, but it's but, quite common, Mitchell. That's not sure. an isolated, yeah. You know, and that could be understood a, also um, from a vibratory level as well because he's no longer, you know, pardon the woo-woo expression, vibing with the lower brain's activities and behaviors and attitudes toward life, which right. is not a particularly healthy one by and large, even though with that that's all about survival. Um, we There's parts of us that will be self-destructive. Right. But when you are engaging your higher self, uh, which includes, of course, the higher brain. Yep. You will then be attracting. You know, it's the, it's you know, the law of attraction. It's the law of vibration, the homeopathic, mm-hmm. cosmic law, if you will. Right. And you know, I'm using those words, but these are the words that quantum physics 
now really does understand mm-hmm. how the universe operates. So you're absolutely right. Things like uh, unhealthy activities just without effort, truly effortlessly can just drop off whenever people start to vibrate, if you will, at a higher level. They no longer serve who you're becoming. There you go. Yep. Nicely put. That's really it. It's not Mm -hmm. core. And at other times it was, interestingly. So it's also, you know, supports the idea of a higher level immune function. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's funny. It's going to sound funny in this day and age. You know, one of the issues we're dealing with globally right now is this whole conversation about Ebola. And I consider the conversation almost as toxic as the thing itself. Right. (laughs) That's another conversation. As much of the news is, right? There you go, exactly. But nonetheless, it's the old germ theory uh, of Pasteur versus the terrain theory of Beauchamp. It's, you know what I mean? It's the same kind of thinking that if you have built up your immune system so much, you can be in... uh, a room full of various viruses. They're only dangerous to people who have an immune system that is not well-tuned. And the thing right. that tune of, uh, an immune system is not just what we eat and not just our exercise. It's got a lot to do with those. But it has to do with the way we breathe and the way we think and who we are, and that has everything to do with the higher level functioning that we're engaging. And, and Does even, that make sense? Absolutely, to your... Mitchell. And to even take it one step further, all of those things mm-hmm. are impacted. It's multifactorial. The relationships that we're in have an influence on how we think. How we think has an influence on our immune system. And so that's the, the, exactly. the beauty, the integral nature of higher brain living. That's why that's the right. healing effects are so profound. Yes. Because the change in your immune system may come because of a change in your relationship that led to a more positive thought process that led to an enhanced immune system. And and so that's why even though we're not positioning ourselves as a healing modality and that we're not trying to treat something, because of the integral nature, once energy gets into that higher brain to start changing our lives on those higher orders, so much of that stuff just drops away. Exactly. I, a line I particularly use. You were talking about the the, the germ theory and all of that, but with, with with the with that kind of old logic, we would have to assume that flies were the cause of roadkill. That's right. Exactly. Right. That's one of the old images that's <laughs> yep. always historically been used. Right. Exactly. As a why? Because yep. wherever you see roadkill, you have flies. That's right. So <laughs> therefore, therefore, exactly. The mind, the the left hemisphere of the brain, is always seeking to create causal relationships. And those are linear in not, nature. Are, are, uh, cause, uh, correlation is not the same as causation, as that's we right. know. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. In fact, it probably never is. But this engages a level of conversation, Michael, of holistic thinking, Mm -hmm. integral thinking, nonlinear thinking, systems thinking. And this is what I see happening with the effect of the higher brain work that people are doing with themselves, with the breathing type of technique. There's a whole notion, I wish you would speak about it, called salutogenesis, which is a word that I learned from this context Mm -hmm. of studying with you. And uh, it 
brings forth a whole new understanding to me of the kind of needs that the higher brain, the prefrontal cortex, is asking for. Mm-hmm. Could you comment on that? Yeah, I'd love to. I the, the term salutogenesis. I actually borrowed that term from uh, from a particular field of biology. I think uh, if I get the name right, Arnofsky, I believe, was one of the the first to coin it. And what they were doing was noticing that for decades, our study of the brain was based on pathology. That's what we wanted to learn about the brain. What was wrong with the areas of the brain or regions of the brain? Right, and and how can we fix that? And that the why does the brain create pathology and all of that? And what they came along and said was that we think there are mechanisms in the brain that in complete opposite of that create high levels of well-being and thriving capacities in the organism and they coined the term salutogenesis and that and and they used it it was borrowed from the the latin toast salute Salud, which is a salud, which yep. really means health, actually health, well-being, vitality. Salud in Spanish, but salud yep. in yep. Latin. Yes, yep. and and there's even for some even a kind of a spiritual connotation to it sure. to it as well. Like, uh, but but in any event, That's right. uh, I I particularly love the term, and they were linking it into brain physiology, and they were on the forefront of this. Hey. Let's look at this brain in a capacity for its ability to create higher end wellness and well-being and go beyond that we think mechanisms are built into that. So they kind of did a lot of study. They've been published a, a lot around that. And I, w- when I started realizing that what was happening with higher brain living was engaging those higher parts of the brain, and I started noticing that there was a specific or a couple of specific physiological responses that were c- repeatable and they were playing out in feet in a feedback loop. I borrowed that term to apply to two of those responses and I called it a salutogenic breath that moves through the body and a salutogenic wave. And so oh, what what what's what's happening Mitchell is that through our contact when we cue these pathways and energy is released through these pathways through our very specific protocol, that moves into the higher brain. And so when that higher brain is kind of nudged awake or more of it is nudged awake, it's like it wakes up to itself and its potential. And then what it wants to do and and has buried in there in all of that latent potential, what it wants to do is start feeding itself. And so a, a, a spontaneous breath starts to move through the body. Again, we call salutogenic breath. And as you know, this isn't breath like a breath work, like someone's learning a new way to breathe. It's it's almost an opposite to that. It's like something's breathing you. Yeah. It's this feeling of this breath just taking over, coming on, and you're just the witness to it. And it starts moving through in this rhythmical cycling over and over. And we've been able to show that when that's happening, it's increasing metabolism. Energy is building in the prefrontal cortex of the brain. And so what I'm what, what I'm suggesting is that there is there's a missing link between the energy source that's in the body that's housed in these pathways that I think and this is a, I'm stretching this is a theory that I can't support Please, scientifically use but it, your it, imagination. it's what I think is a real possibility that 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 
that energy source in the body, again, that almost all wisdom traditions, all healing traditions have from Kabbalistic... Essentially the life force. Yes, and and associated with certain pathways. The Kabbalist had had pathways, the yogi had pathways... The uh, Qigong had pathways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sure. And, and the acupuncture, traditional Chinese medicine, you know, they call them meridians. And so what we know is that, that there's something going on there. The researcher James Oshman has now identified these pathways. One, a Western way of looking at them yes. is that they are uh, they're rich in microtubules and microfilaments. Yes. And that's the type of connective tissue is microtubule and microfilament. We think of it as neural in nature. Right. And those are crystalline structures. And crystal is piezoelectric, which means yes. when it's stretched or contacted in certain ways, it releases energy. And so we, what I believe is that latent energy by design is there to engage that latent part of the brain, but the feedback never got hooked up. The ability to connect A to B, the energy source of the higher brain, never fully came online in humanity because the grip of the lower brain kept that separate, kept robbing, hijacking that potential, creating its own habituated patterns and not letting that energy source feed the higher brain. And so higher, the higher brain system then kind of almost mechanically releases that energy to go to that higher brain. And when it starts to wake up, it starts to take over. And it starts to then realize that possibility and connect those dots, pull energy up through those pathways, and it starts to cycle that. And we feel that in the form of this rhythmical breath starting to move through our body over and over and over. And we know energy is building in the higher brain. And the other response is a salutogenic wave that a larger wave-like phenomenon that I believe is purely there as a tension or a stress dissipator, it's clearing those pathways out so that energy can then more easily flow up into those higher structures of the brain. Got it. I think that's very thoughtful. Yes, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh, no, I really do. I think it, it makes a lot of sense. I, I'm looking at it in a sense from an evolutionary point mm-hmm. of view, evolutionary mm-hmm. biology mm-hmm. and psychology. Mm-hmm. And the reason you know, uh, humanity has been in a bit of a reptilian rut, RR, a reptilian like yeah. that, um, is because it continues to habituate uh, those sort of um, reactive fight flight violent tendencies and the acquisitional tendency of hoarding of not having enough and it's me against you instead of me with you right and these have been habituated over time with breaks thankfully <laughs> there are breakthroughs in every generation that allow us to ascend and evolve along the evolutionary pathway. But until a certain number, you could say the tipping point or the morphogenetic field or the hundredth monkey, very much in the case of humans, monkeys. Um, No, you know I'm being playful, but in a sense it has been very much monkey see, monkey do. Mm -hmm. And you could really analyze most of human history as a story about that. Yes, And it's actually a little sad on one hand because it's sort of like being on a treadmill and not recognizing that there's a place to get off 
or being in Plato's cave right. and not actually seeing that there's light outside the cave. Right. And that's so much of who we've been as a humanity, as a species. And thankfully there have been gorgeous glimmers of light throughout all of the ages. Yeah. Every age has had its glimmering people. There's but always a leading edge. There's always a leading edge. And now, uh, you know, you could even say um, the yogis of old were experimenting, really, with magic mushrooms, with uh, with uh, entheogens, as they're called today. Um, and they were also experimenting with things like saliva and moving, doing what they could in their way to activate the higher brain and and they would speak about the dripping of nectar into the mouth because they've activated something and they wouldn't have the anatomy and the physiology to describe right, it except right. for in very poetic terms. Yes. But I would say that that is what they were doing. But yes. what was that 1% of the population? Yeah. It wasn't enough to tip the scale That's right. away out of the reptilian warlike nature right. into the higher nature. and. I, I guess that's a prelude to saying that I feel you're making a significant contribution, Michael, to uh, giving us leverage and access to more people being able to access that higher nature of ourselves. Yep, and that's really... And we need it. We need that technology. Yes, and, th and thank you for saying that, because that really, I believe, is the purpose of higher brain living, ultimately, that that's what we're doing. We're trying to make this state more accessible and then the, and, and the other thing is to then make it relevant to the modern world that we live in we don't want to just i don't believe just you know become enlightened and joyful and blissful and go sit in a cave for the rest of our life i don't think that's what we're here for and we want to be able to take our you know, pluralistic values or humanistic values, mm -hmm. and we want to enlighten that and and have that empowered state, and to and, and then to actually take the steps necessary to have the confidence to embody that, and and move it forward and make a difference in the world. And I think that every person has their own song to sing, you know, and Absolutely. and and that that. That song is unleashed through higher brain living. Yes, indeed. We're speaking with Dr. Michael Cotton, who is the founder and inventor of Higher Brain Living, which is the subject of today's show on A Better World. You're listening to Mitchell J. Rabin and Michael Cotton have a dynamic dialogue about this, something that we're very prone to do when we get together because <laughs> our minds and hearts are coming from so much the same place. In fact, I want to let you all know that uh, Michael Cotton is in New York City for this week and next and will be doing some demonstrations uh, both at the uh, Marriott Marquis on Monday night and then again in a smaller, more intimate context at the Tournesol Wellness Center at 26. 28 East 36th Street, and for more information about that, these demonstrations are free, by the way, when you sign up in advance. So go to abetterworld.tv, abetterworld.tv, it's hard to forget that one, and look for Michael Cotton's smiling face and click there, and then click through, and you will see 
uh, where to pre-register for these events. And uh, please come, because to witness what happens with when Michael was speaking about salutogenesis, this form of breath that sort of takes the body over, sometimes very large and sometimes very subtle. It, that actually doesn't matter much at all. What matters is that it appears that the breath is sort of initiated from another place, not really from the lungs, And uh, although they will, air will, of course, fill the lungs, but it's coming from another place in the system. And to witness that and the stories that people have to share when they have had some sessions, and I now as a facilitator have seen and heard from my own client just what is going on for her. It's very interesting uh, what's happening here. And I've heard these stories from many people at this point. And uh, it's really something that if you are in New York, you want to take advantage of Dr. Michael Cotton being here in New York for these free demonstrations. So, uh, Thanks for being in New York, Michael. It's always My a pleasure. Pleasure. I love being in New York. Isn't this an amazing place? I think there's a lot happening here, Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> there sure is. <laughs> there sure is. So uh, let's to continue this this dialogue. Um, we see that there's potential, and when we access that potential, you know, miracles happen. Quite literally. In fact, you know, for all the years of my growing up, Michael, I started being interested in things like parapsychology, the uh, other reaches of the brain and the nervous system. I began really getting interested in that when I was 13 and 14 years old. Yeah. I kind of started young. And uh, um, I used to say, wait a minute, if they say we're only using about 5% and there's another 95%, I don't think that that other 95% is just for the ability to memorize more facts. <laughs> right. You know, or... You know, more even mathematical formulas, for that matter. I think there's a whole other, you could say, dimensionality to that other 95%, something that is not so well-known date, yeah. yet has shown up historically over time in certain individuals who have developed more of that higher brain functionality. Yeah. And so it is my belief and supposition that when people engage a practice like higher brain living or, and I would rather say, meditative practices of different sorts, and there are many, and I have interviewed Dr. Richard Davidson, by the way, mm -hmm. not long ago on the subject of his work with the Tibetan Buddhist monks, and he's actually studied a series of different meditative techniques, and each one has its own, you could say, EEG tonality. And uh, it was very interesting to discuss this with him mm -hmm. and hear him out on this. And uh, I hope the day comes that he will be able to look into this. I introduced him to Higher Brain Living yeah. uh, in the conversation. Because we're uh, seeing some very interesting <laughs> EEG signatures show up with this that we're measuring too, Mitchell. Well, yeah, I know. I, I would really like very much to to lead into that. But I wanted to just first mention, Michael, that along with, uh, you know, touching upon, let's say, the bliss centers and the joy and the greater love and the sense of expansion and the sense of gratitude that comes for uh, from the engagement of one's whole human beingness, 
Yeah. There's a level of gratitude that is sort of unparalleled. Yeah. Uh, these are the kinds of things that also will show up along with the ability to read each other's minds, thoughts, feelings, and enter the space, which is part of a morphogenetic field, more easily. Mm-hmm. What would you say about that? I think I would say I think you're absolutely correct. I think that that's uh, that new we space. I like yeah, to say exactly. that that uh, it's new territory. I mean, I think that everything changes at that point, and I uh, th- there's no doubt about it. And I think that the you know the 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 psych capabilities and the you know the the cities from yoga practices yes, and and all of this stuff was just tipping just touching into that potential right yes. there and that that it's going to open up a whole new world and and that I fully believe that yeah. the, these untapped potentials in the higher brain and there's some evidence for this too oh, that these uh, these untapped p- right potentials in the higher brain are where that's at those are the that's the physiological correlate to all of these uh, uh, other uh, experiences Phenomenal. and dimensions and phenomenon. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And it really is far-reaching. I mean, it goes to, you know, not to go too far out, but it really does have to do with a, a cosmic consciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has to do with identity. You know, you mentioned the word identity just now, and I, I think that that's a really important part You when you were also so eloquently saying, Michael, about uh, you really get to know who you are. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a very interesting kind of proposition because we identify with any number of things. We identify with our name. We identify with our race. We identify with our religion of birth. We identify with our color. Our we history. identify with our history, yeah. our religion, our geography, our city, our state, our country. Mm-hmm. And what about a larger identity? What about an identity of our galaxy, right? our Milky Way? You know, what about that kind of identity? Or universal consciousness. There we go. Yeah, yeah. We're mo- I was moving up the ladder a yes. little slower than you. <laughs> I co- sorry, I couldn't wait. <laughs> yeah, you wanted to just run to the end there, Michael. <laughs> but, you know, but exactly, exactly. And what if we uncover all of the emperor's clothes and find out we are cosmic consciousness itself. Right. Yeah, isn't that beautiful? Because we've cloaked ourselves in all of this stuff that on an ultimate level we're not. Exactly. And that's that is what our uh, that's who that's what we identify as ourself and limit ourselves thereby. That's right. That's right. So, you know, now, I feel like you are embarking upon and, and opening something up that is really something that needs to be opened, mm-hmm. and, you know, and it's not that the same type of endeavor hasn't been around. It's been around for thousands of years, and there has been remarkable progress in so many different, you could say, pathways to consciousness. And Mitchell, the world is sparkling with them. And I would like to state that I believe that's why higher brain living is here. I I, yes. I love the the Isaac Newton line that I stood on the shoulder of giants, exactly. right? And the, and so that's this is this is the leading edge of a many thousand year old path. Is how I see exactly. it. Exactly. I know. Yeah. I I would agree. I'm I'm going to uh, just make reference to. Uh, uh, a friend of mine who's a former Zen monk from Japan 
who is being kind of primed to be the the pope, so to speak, of Zen in Japan. And when he got wind of that, he decided to take off his robes and, you know, move to L.A. and get married. (laughs) A wonderful guy who also, by the way, is well-known by Ken Wilbur, who has appreciated his work tremendously. And his name is Yasuhiko Genku Kimura, who's been a friend and a teacher of mine for some years, who teaches something called authentic thinking. And uh, he refers to the need for advancement in spiritual, the spiritual world. That these religions, some of which are somewhat archaic, continue on with the same rituals and the same ceremonies and the same dogmas and the same belief systems for millennia at this point. And I am referring to Judaism, uh, the religion of my birth, and to Christianity, which is its younger uh, cousin, and to Islam. I am talking about all of these, and I'm not only limited to those, but go east. You will see the same thing repeated over and over again. And they're repeated because there is value to it. But what is the cutting edge of these, Michael? Is there a developing spiritual technology where we can bring together the intelligence and the discovery of neuroscience with our inner knowing that has come to a spiritual understanding, a coalescence of all that I just mentioned. How can we bring science and spirituality together, in other words, for this conversation? There's a quote by the Dalai Lama, and I'm not sure I can get this verbatim, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get close. Can you do it in Tibetan? <laughs> yeah, so that, that way you won't know if it's verbatim or not, right? <laughs> I'll do that for you. No, Please show. Uh, Please he, show. You know, I'm not, ex- I'm, I'm not going to get it exactly right, but he said something to the effect that he meditates for four hours a day, and it's really hard work. And if neuroscience could uncover a way for him to get the same benefit without that level of effort, he would surely adopt it. There you go. Exactly. That and That's really good Buddhist scientific thinking. Mm-hmm. They're not wedded. Because of the freedom and identity mm-hmm. of the true Buddhist practitioner, mm-hmm. he is or she is flowing with the nature of reality. Right. You know? that Buddhism was actually able to be uh, planted in the United States and Europe and to flourish in an entirely different environment than the traditional environments Mm -hmm. is testimony to its ability to flow like water. And so what you're saying is just exactly what a Buddhist would and should say. So it's interesting. It's interesting. Now, what do you know? about the science of higher brain living and how is it getting mapped out through scientific experimentation and instrumentation. Mm-hmm. You've done some work with the EEG. Yeah. What else is showing? We're, we're in pretty early stages of that, but there's a lot of compelling information that's already uh, coming in. And Please share with Yeah, well, the, the first thing is to say just from a, a standpoint of – the uh, the uh, the assessments that we use uh, in the Higher Brain Living Guidebook were very carefully designed to elicit answers that demonstrated uh, 
the level of psychospiritual change that people were going through. And so the, they weren't just random. They were, you know, they were put together from talking to developmental psychologists and, and, and seeing that people were making transformative shifts in their consciousness and their awareness and in how they functioned in the world. And so we, we, put those assessments together as we took people through the program and started compiling the data, and it was extraordinary. I, in one of my practices, I did a, a just an in-house study where I took everyone who included everyone who had been to a certain point through a 22-step program and then kind of crunched the numbers on all of these surveys. And it was something like 90-plus percent of the the people had had major transformative life change at that point, like vertical evolution. And and, and so I, I just started compiling those questionnaires and then bouncing it off of people kind of in the know in, the, in those developmental fields and stuff, and, and I kept getting the feedback. This is really extraordinary. And so we compiled an inordinate amount of this, like, subjective-type questionnaire a, a assessment that was showing tremendous uh, so people were changing their relationship to refer to the four quadrants of yeah. Ken Wilber that is a, an inherent part of your system. Uh, people were seeing changes in their sense of themselves and their subjective nature, their sense of their own appreciation of themselves, their own yep. self-image. They were their body metrics were changing. Yes. They were, yep. you know, getting healthier, t more toned, more, yep. what have you, and. Yep their relationships, their cultural connections. Becoming more altruistic, becoming more compassionate, becoming more loving. All of these things were happening. Becoming more aware, that was really a defining feature of that. Uh, we say take that view from 50,000 feet, be able to see things that had escaped them before. Mm. And so we, when we, we started seeing these enormous changes coming in from people, but also at that time, we were understanding that this was involving this that strong physiological response was was impacting the brain in a positive way, and so we started to really look into that, and we started to do some you know single and double and then multiple EEG studies of people, and we, it's in the early stages, but we've had numerous EEG studies done. Uh, there's a person right here in New York that's done several of them, uh, yes. uh, and and the uh, the changes Dr. are Adam Breiner? yeah, and, oh, yes, and, and the, the changes are stunning, and we are seeing. Uh, well, we had a researcher, uh, Dr. Penny Montgomery, that's now in Denver, who's done several different studies looking at this. She's she has uh, several quotes I have written down, and I asked her if I could repeat them, and she said, "By all means," but she she said, "I never would have believed." This is a, a you know a, a, P, a PhD in neuropsychology taught at the University of, of Texas, 40-year uh, brain researcher. Her partner invented real-time digital EEG feedback. I mean, you know, credentials, right? And she, measuring higher brain living clients, said, I never would have believed the brain could change this fast if I wouldn't have measured it myself. And many quotes like that, and so we're we're seeing some just fantastic things. And when she started getting more specific and measuring the prefrontal cortex, the changes that were happening in there are just extraordinary.
extraordinary, and we're seeing this kind of new signature show up where, where as she says, she's never, ever measured it in another brain before with higher brain living clients, where we see this high voltage increase. There's, so there's a lot of energy in the prefrontal cortex, and there's very fast, very fast beta waves that represent this extreme focus and clarity and action orientation. We can we can show that before a person takes bold action or massive action, that these high fast beta waves are bursting in their brain. That's showing up, and simultaneously we're seeing high voltage alpha waves overlaying that, which is the experience of calmness and blissful state and endorphin release of which is what also I believe is the is the EEG or the brain correlate that happens on that level with what we call the emergence of the authentic self. Because the subjective experience for people at that level going through the program, they consistently report is, and it's almost, it sounds almost paradoxical. They say, I am so charged with energy. I'm they're taking action. They're taking the steps they've never been able to take. They're going head-on into this stuff from an action-oriented place. And they're saying, and at the exact same time, I feel calm and peaceful inside. And it's it it's almost sounds paradoxical to be energized and ready to take on the world and at the same time, be completely at peace and ease inside, and that's exactly what's happening. And the brain waves are reflecting that state as well. Very interesting. I get it. I yeah. get it. And in fact, I can tell you that having done a good amount of meditation in my life, uh, that uh, one time I did a month-long Tibetan Buddhist-oriented meditation practice. If you can imagine meditating for yeah. 12 to 14 hours a day. Yeah. For a month, yeah, and I did this up in northern Vermont, a yeah. place called Karmacholi, when I was in my twenties, and I feel like it changed my life, quite honestly, and that includes physiologically, uh, neurophysiologically. Uh, but what emerged from that, Michael, was exactly that state. Mm-hmm. I was utter calm, no noise in the mind or the heart, by the way, mm-hmm. no static, no noise. And utter alertness, awareness, and focus. Yep. And it was just one of the most remarkable. And I will tell you that when I first got on the table at the training session uh, to experience my first higher brain living uh, session, Mm -hmm. I had some of the same experience. Yep. So even though I'm quizzing you about what the science has sure. shown you, because you know more about it than I do, because you're in the, in the position you're in with us, uh, I know experientially yep. that there is that correlation. Mm-hmm. And I was very impressed yeah. with what I personally experienced. Because I, like everybody, would say, yeah, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of language, a lot of words, a lot of... Maybe where does the rubber hit the road? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Where does it hit the road? You know, it all sounds good. Yeah. You know, but there are lots of things that sound good, and yep. there are lots of breakthroughs that people have doing all sorts of types of modalities. Absolutely. And I know because 
I interview everybody. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. and because I've been in the holistic health world and psychology in New York for over 30 years. Yep. So I've met pretty much everyone around across the nation and beyond. And I've got to tell you, um, there are a lot of great things out there. There really are. Yes, people, agreed. There's something about what happens when certain people meet certain something at a certain point in their lives, they're ripe for change. Mm-hmm. And there's something about the synchronicity of it. It clicks. Exactly. It yeah. just clicks. And to the extent that there can be science corroborating clicking of yeah. and synchronization and synchronicity mm-hmm. behind a more and more people with this particular modality because it's got a track record of working with people who might even be dragging their feet, then you see that you've reached a switch somewhere internally. You've activated something that is reliably provable. And it's natural and organic, and that's the real thing, is that we're not making people someone we're not. Most people living in the lower brain, as we just talked about, they're being someone they're not. That's not what this is about. It's it's connecting what's already been laid down. That's why it works. It's just connecting the dots like they're meant to be connected. And then it takes off on its own, and we help provide the right map and strategy to live from that place. Exactly. And if I may say, that notion lines up with a lot of the ancient teachings, Mm -hmm. metaphysically and spiritually, Mm -hmm. in the wisdom traditions, that there is a link that has not yet been forged and completed. Yes. And when that link gets completed, hallelujah, here we are, you know, and we are living as fully realized human beings. Yes. You know, and so even that verbiage I'm saying uh, is aligned with the tradition, and so I feel, you know, when I was mentioning uh, Yasuhiko before, and I was mentioning that uh, so much of our spiritual uh, technologies have been in themselves a little dormant. They have not been, there have been so many things from the East. I would say, interestingly, more from the West. You know, there's more yoga practiced in the United States than there is in India right now. That's a really interesting phenomenon. So, you know, I wrote a paper many years ago when I was going to acupuncture school called East Meets West, Who's Getting Needled? <laughs> it's kind of funny. But on one hand, you know, but it was really about the um, impregnation of thoughts from East to West and West to East. Right. And that we need, as though we're completing a larger picture, we need each other's psyche the masculine and the feminine, the yin and the yang, to complete something. Now, look, China is an economic giant of the highest order right now in the in the world. You could say that they are borrowing from the Western headset. Yep. We are we have acupuncture in almost every single hospital across the country, or right. at least a substantial number. You could say that we are getting needled there in a yep. good way. Do you know what I mean? So absolutely cross fertilization. Well, it's first time really in history that we've had awareness, this cross-cultural awareness that we can start to synthesize and integrate and create this whole out of what have been a lot of isolated parts. Yes, exactly, exactly. So you're inventing, and I know calling on many different aspects 
of your own professional life and being tuned in to the the ethers, you know. Right. You tuned in to the subtle energy body and the subtle pathways and put together the system which does represent a breakthrough in what can reasonably be called spiritual technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm comfortable I with that. I think that's big. <laughs> yeah. That's big stuff. Yeah. You know, it's big stuff. Yeah. So, you know, you're you're going along the path, and there's it's a whole lot more to talk about. But creating a better world is sort of my game. That's my gig, my game. And I love you for that. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Michael. I appreciate that. And you know, that those are my values. That's the hierarchy yeah. of my values, and uh, who I've become. And and so I need the different modalities uh, that I can help myself and others walk along and utilize so they become committed to beyond an egocentric, to a world-centric enterprise called healing our world and beyond creating a world that is just singing, that's just harmonious. That's just the way I feel the divine intelligence wants us to be, which is having a ball together on planet Earth, this utterly gorgeous blue-green planet floating in the atmosphere, as Edgar Mitchell and all of the other astronauts said of it, looking back at Earth. And what are we doing, you know? And so this work that you've put together, Higher Brain Living, and the effect it's beginning to have. I mean, we are at so the beginning. The infinite stages, yep, absolutely. Exactly, it's God Almighty. But I think it's going to be and is becoming already a contributing factor to the evolutionary upward spiral that we are on today. Yes, agreed. And we can see that vision, that better world vision, became, could become a better world reality. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Vision to reality. Mm-hmm. That's exactly mm-hmm. the case. Well, I want to just thank you so much, Michael Cotton, for being on the show again today and sharing your thoughts and views with us. Thank you, Mitchell. Yeah. It's, it was a blast, as as always, always. and as anticipated. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, we'll be sure to do this again. For sure. Because I think... Oh, my audience is cottoning to you. Yeah. <laughs> you, just, you just couldn't leave without getting that one in. I it. I had to go there, right? <laughs> By the way, when you engage your higher brain, your humor is off the charts. Well, I don't know that we have evidence of that from that last comment. I know. <laughs> I'm still working on it. <laughs> but let's say there is hope. Yes, there, there is hope. Is hope. But there's, we can agree on that. Thank you again, Dr. Cotton. My pleasure. pleasure. Thank you, Mitchell. I want to remind you all that uh, Dr. Cotton is in New York. He'll be doing several demonstrations. Uh, I am hosting one of them, which is at the Tournesol Center, Wellness Center, uh, at 28 East 36th Street, right across from the J.P. Morgan Library. It's a beautiful new wellness center. Truly très élégant. It's really beautiful. It's uh, being run by Carrie Davidson, who I had on the show just recently with with uh, Dr. Dennis Goodman, for those of you who listen regularly, a holistic cardiologist. And um, we're going to be doing that evening there, a demo where you will be able to see what this process looks like uh, and get a sense of it and be able to... Um, 
pick Dr. Cotton's brain about, you know, what this is. And there's an opportunity also to become a facilitator, to learn about the details of becoming a facilitator. And certainly if you're interested in uh, experiencing it yourself, uh, I'll be there and uh, can always speak with you about that. It's really an opportunity for Dr. Cotton to be in New York. It's only once a year, and uh, it's free if you sign up in advance. Just go to a betterworld.tv. You'll see uh, Michael right there, and you just click and click, and you'll be there. So thanks so much for joining us, and remember to get our newsletter. It's a free newsletter every week, which tells you about this show. It tells you about the show I do on Progressive Radio Network as well, Progressive Film Hour with Mitchell Rabin every Tuesday at 3 o'clock, and Mondays, 7 p.m. In fact, Michael Cotton will be on this Monday at 7. So tell your friends. You can watch it on television in Manhattan or online at abetterworld.tv. There's fun for all. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you all next